1: I had the teenage years, early teenage years, and I was just really insecure. I had a low, really low self-image. I wasn't very confident, but I knew I had the potential to be more. But I had a quite sheltered, protected upbringing. I look back, and it's interesting to me that I, as soon as I got the chance, actually got out and and became unsheltered and worked with kids in the street and got my hands dirty. So it's an interesting change. The story.
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to the story. Well, it's a common fact among parents that teenagers can be notoriously difficult to reach as they gain independence and make the transition from childhood to adulthood. Russ Wright knows this all too well as he has dedicated his life to being a positive influence in the lives of at-risk kids. He's the founder of an organisation called Vital Projects, which seeks to draw out the leadership potential of disadvantaged young people. Today, we'll find out his story and the stories of some of the kids he's impacted as he has a chat with Karen Hunt.
2: Before we get into what Vital Projects is all about, tell us a little bit about you, about your early days and what life looked like for you then.
1: Thanks, Karen. Okay, well, I left school and I didn't really enjoy it. um, And unemployment wasn't a problem those days. I'd always wanted to be a sparky. I'd done lots of projects and electronics kits when I was younger. And um, I enjoyed that. But once I got my license through the the evenings, I, I joined up as a youth worker. I just found I had a knack with reaching young people and and just more the youth at risk and the kids on the street. I remember when I started my training and, you know, I'd connected, well, God had connected with me, really, and just as a relationship. And so God, if you're real, I want to find uh, a practical and spiritual answer to um, young people's problems and their families. So um, since I was 16, 17, I've been on a relentless sort of search and journey to find okay what are the answers to um, the problems we come up against
2: rewinding even further was your childhood an easy childhood was it generally speaking a problem free happy go lucky upbringing what was life like even in those years for you
1: um, yeah, I had I had a great family but I had the teenage years early teenage years and I was just really insecure I had a low really low self image I um, wasn't very confident but I knew I had the potential to be more my parents put me on different courses which I really appreciated which gave me more confidence and I did a lot of camps those days youth camps with churches and youth groups, but I had a quite shelter-protected upbringing. I look back and it's interesting to me that I, as soon as I got the chance, I actually got out and, and became unsheltered and worked with kids in the street and got my hands dirty. So it's an interesting change. Once I got my license, I was working in um, sort of after school club programs in Brisbane, in Oxley and Kenmore and Jindalee. And um, one of the youth workers who was running the club, he pulled out of Jindalee, so I took it on when I was 18. We had sort of 30 you know, 14-year-olds who were um, quite um, uh, rough and ready And we had a volunteer staff who, who were also helped me And uh, we worked for those kids for a year and a half We just had it in someone's garage or rumpus room Until it got too rough and we couldn't get a house to meet in, actually
2: <laughs> So here you were, 18 years of age Kid almost still yourself, yeah?
1: Yeah, I was And I I think my upbringing and being on courses And really looking for answers yeah. you know, I, felt, I found I was probably mature for my age and just a knack or a gift I had for just, you know, just showing young people that we cared. I know I've really got a gift to see the potential in, in people. And no matter how bad they are, I can just see the potential that they have. So that's what I was sort of reaching in for and trying to encourage them to find.
2: So you're a born encourager, putting courage in to uh, to people's hearts and minds.
1: Yes, you could say that.
2: <laughs> so your early young adult life, were you involved in uh, in church life at the time? Was faith a key part of your world?
1: It was. Um, parents went to church, but it wasn't really relevant. You know, the whole change within the culture had become, you know, asking the question, why? People have just been going along with what they did traditionally without asking that question. And so my generation, a lot of my friends um, left the church and youth groups because they just weren't giving answers. And the club programs we joined then were Campus Life, an you know, after-school club program. They actually sat around and yeah, played some activities, but they sat down and talked about real issues in life. Mm. And um, that really helped me a lot. It, it gave me answers. And so I got involved with, with them and, and started training with them. Once I uh, got my licence, I did that, Pour that back into young people who are my age. I thought, oh, I can find the answers. I want to go back to school and help students like I was who didn't have a lot of those answers. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Hmm.
2: So besides those things at that time, what were you interested in? Were you a sporty guy? Were you into music? What, what were your
1: other interests? I was in the hockey. I was a captain of two hockey teams. I won the premiership one year. I was at school and, uh, yeah, I ran. I was a long-distance runner. I ride my bikes and motorbikes and motor go-karts and electronics as a hobby. And, and then once I started the, my apprenticeship as an electrician, I did advanced courses in electronics. So I, I had a wide interest. I was in a band for a little while, played lead guitar, rhythm guitar. Did, yeah, try to bite as many things as I could. Being on camp, she just played whatever games you're going, soccer. And yeah, so I was out there and, and doing things and. I really enjoyed driving turn-up cars and stuff like that. But use those things to connect with young people. Once I started as a youth worker, got uh, married and went full-time in the youth work and connected to a school here in Ipswich. Uh-huh. And um, they just gave me permission to come in as a youth worker during the lunch hours and, and after school, and I raised my own wage to, to be there. Um, they lost the soccer coach, the soccer team, so I didn't know that much about soccer, so I got a rule book and started coaching them and, and um, work with them. And so we started after-school club programs after a while, and I'd, Monday nights I'd train 15 to 20 sort of people from the different youth groups around the area. About halfway through the year we set up an after-school club program, which is mainly grade 11s and 12s, unchurched kids and students, and yeah, trained people just to plug into the peer group and just go up with them and encourage them and talk about life and, mm. and support them.
2: Sounds like you're a self-directed chappy before chaplaincy programs even existed, yeah?
1: Yeah, yes. The school didn't want anybody religious. Um, that was a very eh, anti-religious sort of religious tone to the whole thing. So mm-hmm. I just, yeah, came as a worker to connect with kids, but I wanted all the finances and really bring out their potential, and they had to be in a small bridge to do that and meet their needs. In seven or eight years, we had seven full-time workers in the school, 40 volunteers running two yeah. after-school club programs. And the principal said we actually changed the fabric of the school. It was a pretty rough school when we started. Yeah, it was really just pioneering work. I just found myself as a pioneer. Mm. I just couldn't do the programs other people were doing and it's sort of cookie-cutter stuff. I yeah. had to tailor-make things that suited you where know, young people were at at the time.
2: Sounds like a big heart and definitely a, a huge impact. So now jumping ahead a bunch of years you've been developing positive values education programs now tell us where you're at
1: and what's it all about okay well we're running these after school club programs and then in um, the 90s early 90s every every night trading came in and sport became um, really uh, high priority you didn't go to practice twice a week or then you couldn't play on the weekend and so we lost uh, the nights that we could have the uh, club programs mm-hmm. I thought, oh let's Push it into the school classroom. It's a lot harder. They have to be there, and so we started trialing and running programs to help bring out young people's potential in the classroom. And that's and we had another school who the teacher asked me if they could come along and run a program for the boys there. This was in the mid 90s. Because they had no uh, male leadership in the senior school. The girls were running everything. And uh, the guys wouldn't step up. So she said, you just got a double period. You got 60 to 80 minutes. So you get once a week for a term or two. So I would just come up, turn up, work with these really rough young kids school selected who... And, yeah, we're just trialling that and just dropping in. And i have been doing trial um, retrieval programs for the education department, taking kids out in the bush. And and they changed out there, but you bring them back and they'd crash and burn amongst the peer group again. Mm. So my goal was, okay, how can we... Help young people change their value systems and stick so they can actually affect their own peer group. And so trialling that for 14 years, we really got a fine-tuned, um, scene of what worked and what didn't work. And, um, and then trying to pass that on to other people was, other the youth workers who, um, was quite difficult because of the paradigm. So we, um, so we actually filmed what we did in the class each week, just, um, live and, and cut that up into all the little different activities and simulation exercises and this area to brief it. And we put that in a package. We train chaplains and youth workers. They go on a five- and seven-day residential. Wow. So it's a, it's a paradigm we fit into. But it's just not a program. It's the sort of stuff in the videos and, and manuals and only 50% of the program. Mm-hmm. The other 50% is the process, which... Um, the paradigm we work with is which is beyond rules. It's about relationship. It's beyond lectures. It's about self-discovery, learning, and it's it's beyond uh, fear, beyond fear-based control. So it's not trying to control young people through fear, but it's it's actually wanting understanding them and meeting their needs, and they uh, become self-motivated by creating a uh, emotionally safe group and putting young people in that paradigm, that context where. They come up with how they want to be treated and we bite our tongues, not tell them what to think, but they actually discover it for themselves and um, make it an emotional safe group so they don't have to, they can feel, they can share and, and be open to learn, not be defensive. Um, their accelerated learning and into growing in their values is just uh, amazing, full amazing.
2: Well, what you're describing epitomises the concept of experiential Education, experiential learning, and I know the value of uh, reflection in that process. I mean, congratulations (laughs) for seeing and recognising the need for this beyond the norm. It's very special.
1: Yeah. There's a couple of things that helped me there. When I was 18, I met my future father-in-law, who was an amazing guy. He broke a new ground for working with people uh, in in what we see today as, um, as mental health. He had a home he was running with his family living there of seven kids. They had 20 to 25 other people there who, from drug addicts to paranoid schizophrenics, uh, running it as a community. And he was touted as the most successful person in the Western world running in community with people with uh, mental health issues. Uh So he had paranoid schizophrenics, become whole, and get married, and... some of yeah have come through our training and helping young people today even. So what I learned from him because he did that for 25 years before he had a stroke. I now, but understanding the raw young person and the human spirit and how it works I and mean, just the spiritual aspect of it, which is often left out of um, a lot of um, programs.
2: Mm.
1: Um, not religious, but just spiritual understanding who we are and what we need. Also started with the Outlook at BUNA, It's a government facility that, that um, trains youth workers to look after youth at risk. And, uh, and their models and what they had um, learned, their framework, we had, was very useful. And we've taken that and just kept growing with it. And marrying that with what I learned from my wife's dad, uh, Cheryl's dad, has been a very unique but powerful combination.
0: You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is chatting with Russ Wright, the founder of an organisation called Vital Projects, which seeks to draw out the leadership potential of disadvantaged young people. As we just heard, Russ uses his life experiences to understand kids' needs and to enable them to become respectful and determined adults. Next, we'll hear about two of the most dramatic turnarounds he's seen in teens' lives when we return. The Story. We're continuing with Karen Hunt chatting with Russ Wright, the founder of an organisation that works with youth called Vital Projects. Before the break, Russ shared how the Lord led him to have a heart for working with disadvantaged young people. Next, he'll tell us the miraculous story of how God changed the lives of an uncontrollable girl and a violent boy.
1: It's exciting to see. So just after an hour a week, even after one term, their grades are starting to come up, they're getting on better with their parents, they stop stopped bullying, they're respecting the teachers more. It's really uh, little miracles happening.
2: It does sound miraculous. And you you literally are presenting these young people with a paradigm shift, aren't you?
1: Totally. Yeah, it is. They come in the classroom and we talk about beyond rules guys, uh-huh. or girls, we have girls' programs as well, both the primary and high school, talk about how you'd like to be treated. And we, they come up with their own group deal and then we uh, run them through activity and put a bit of pressure on them and they, they break their own group deal and so we just stop it and they just apologise with no punishment, they just apologise for putting someone down or butting in, then we just move on. But they are learning then, they're internalising the, the values of listening to each and to other people and, and respecting them mm. and not being told to do that. they actually, oh, OK, getting feedback and, and wanting to go because they can see how much that makes the group feel safe and they start learning to trust each other.
2: Beyond rules, beyond lectures, beyond fear-based control, tell me, the term VITAL projects, the V-I-T-A-L, what does that stand
1: for? Glad you asked. That stands for um, <laughs> values integrated through action-based learning. As opposed to beliefs, we can believe things, but we don't actually do them. You know, Every day we, we get around to doing the things we value, not necessarily what we believe. Yeah. We might believe it's important to contact our parents and keep in touch with them either, or their family. We might be a long way away, but if we don't value that, well, then we actually won't do it. And so it's some um, values integrate. So, 50 values of work, with, commitment, cooperation, determination, forgiveness. All those. We want to internalise those. But we use action-based learning. It's um, through activity, reflected activity, that works.
2: Can you pinpoint a particular young person that has had, in your mind, the biggest turnaround?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. There's lots. Um, one last year. we um, actually got a video had a video interview with her, it's on her website connected but Dee, um, she was she was just wild um, uncontrollable and um, in grade ten, yeah just uncontrollable. She came to a no limits program didn't like it to start with um, but felt but hung in there that's how started to feel included and accepted and started trusting yeah within the within the the, the program, just an hour a week of uh, the two terms um she just changed so much dramatically, that she asked the chaplain if she could run a lunchtime program to support other people who were being bullied.
2: Wow, fantastic. She was a
1: chronic bully. Um, uh, She was head of the pack. So, yes, yeah, she started a lunchtime program to look after the kids who were being bullied or just had no one to sit with. Mm. And by the end of that year, she was voted in as vice captain of the school for the, for a senior year. So, huge turnaround. Um, but, yeah, that, that story is on her website.
2: That's fantastic. So, that's a young woman. What about a, a story, a transformation story about a particular young man that you've worked with?
1: Um, Kobe, who was... Violent. again we've got him on the, on the video he's a chaplain, so we train chaplains in the schools to use our programs and that helps them to be effective in the school so Kobe was just um he was just violent being social he um was growing bigger had his mum on the floor with his hand around his throat, so she just had to ring the police she didn't know what else to do mm-hmm. and um he was yeah you know, he was on his way to a juvie, and um, the school got him involved in the, the unlimited program, and uh, and he yeah he just changed. Um, now he's he's involved in class, his grades come up, he's he's um, so he's got life in his eyes. Um, he he's bright and connected, and and connecting with people and enjoying life. Uh, yeah, you can see that in the video. Uh, just uh, the changes and how he's how he's grown. It's just so good to see young people and just changing, clicking those switches from being stubborn to being determined and being revengeful to being forgiving and connecting with that. So that's the unlimited program, which is a prim- primary school program, and the no limits is a high school program.
2: Did you ever imagine as a Sparky? <laughs> as a, a tradie, that you would be uh, lighting eyes, as you're saying, all these years ahead and, and making such a difference and such an impact in people's lives?
1: I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I felt it was part of my destiny. Yeah, I I wanted to find answers, and I felt I had a pioneering spirit within me, and I, I didn't know where that would take me. But, um, it, yeah, where where I've landed and, and the issues we can now deal with, um, yeah, it's such a nice place, a sweet spot to be in. Mm. to be able to pass that on to, you know, we train 50 or 60 um, youth workers a year. Mm. A lot of them work in the schools. Uh, it's so good to be able to pass uh, pass on this paradigm, which just works. It's worked for me and it's now working for others um, so well.
2: Well, you're using your gift. You're using your, your personality. Do you, do you have a good team with you? Tell us about your team.
1: Yeah, we do. We have a team in the office, and, um, but we mainly work through uh, and want to pass this on. So we have residentials and two-day professional training development groups, and we do half-day to seven-day residentials. Whenever we get a chance, um, we're training and passing it on and multiplying those issues. So we train a chaplain or a youth worker in schools or youth groups or boys' brigade, girls' brigade. Um, They work with a dozen young people eight to a dozen young people, and it just multiplies through them. And for every young person that we can change, that's that's the generation. They're going to marry someone different and get a different job and get promoted more and bring up their children differently. Each one is, is really important uh, as an individual and just helping them bring out the potential. They, they become determined to find it as well. So they get involved in youth groups and become youth group leaders, and yeah, it's really very encouraging to see.
2: Well, as an encourager yourself, you were saying earlier that you've actually gone international now. Tell us about Vital Projects and, and uh, how far and wide have your programs gone?
1: Well, we've had people come over from uh, Singapore, um, YouthWorks, the um, youth organisation from them. They heard about us. I'm not sure how originally, but they came over and did our training and wanted us to come over there and train uh, their organisation. So we did. And so. They and um, other churches and youth workers came and got involved, and they run after-school programs and boys and girls brigade and, um, and programs in the schools. We've seen as values educators, so they can work in multi-phase schools. And we had one primary school. They saw the uh, the students changing, but the teachers were still yelling and, ah. at kids and and not uh, not being as good as some of the students. So they negotiated to have us come over and train sixteen of their heads of department.
2: Fantastic
1: for a week yep. and sort of five afternoons and we had five different religions and an atheist in that group and they all loved it. They all got it and they ran process with the rest of the teachers like there's 2,400 in a school and they have 40 in a class. Yeah, they have since then sent people over Done some more training and they're changing that school around from a fear based school <laughs> yeah. um, to more relational and developing programs and having values and outcomes within the classroom. So That's very that's exciting.
2: That's really
1: exciting. I've always wanted to run a school on um, this paradigm of mm. beyond rules, beyond lectures and beyond fear based control.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but it started in Singapore before we did it in our own country, so
2: well done
1: last January last is over again youth organization and um, so we were doing things with a number of youth workers who in Malaysia so they're starting up their programs yeah the program's are working equally successful in multicultural uh, setting over there as uh, as here so that's that's exciting it sure
2: is Russ for someone who might be listening right now who has never stepped foot in a church has not had any background or inkling, anything to do with the Christian faith, what encouragement could you leave them with today?
1: One thing is keep searching and asking, asking God to be there to show himself, to guide people to him, to them, or or vice versa. He promises that, you know, if you seek, you'll find. If you ask if you're genuine about it, then he'll lead people to you or you to them. You know, if you want to find out more, there'll be someone around you that's... could tell you more. There's a difference between people being religious and even calling themselves Christians to those who really have a relationship with God. And it's finding those people who have a genuine heart and you can tell by when you talk to them that they, they don't have an agenda. They just really care about you. So, yeah, just keep searching and God will guide you. He's he's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on you, but he'll guide if you're you're interested and want to be shown. That would be my suggestion.
2: I'm speaking with a great pioneer, a great encourager, Russ Wright. He's the founder and managing director of Vital Projects. Russ, thanks for your time and may God bless and guide you as well in all that you're
1: doing. Thank you, Karen.
0: Well, how amazing is it to change the course of a young person's life for the better? And that's exactly what Russ Wright and his team are doing with their organisation called Vital Projects. If you'd like to find out more about Russ and the work his organisation does, you can visit their website. It's vitalprojects, Again, that's vitalprojects.com. Well, we hope that Russ has inspired you to reach out to the young adults in your life, and he's definitely doing some great work. Thanks for joining us for his story, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story.
1: I think that most often, nearly always, I think, when there's been greater changes in my Christian life or greater challenges that God has taken me through them for my growth purposes, and it's, it's in the middle of that you don't see that until you can look back. They've all come through hard times in my life.
0: Graham Dawson knows all too well how hard it can be getting men to open up and talk about personal issues. He's found that by sharing some of the challenges he's faced in his own life, he's able to lead a more effective men's ministry. We'll hear his story next time. The Story. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.